As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are going to rip out the hearts of other podcasts. We are going to bite off their eyeballs. We are going to start every segment watching the scene from The Last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a post-game Birds with Friends. It is Sunday evening, about 10, 12 p.m. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn here to talk about the 7-0 Eagles who put together perhaps their most complete performance of the season in dusting the Pittsburgh Steelers 35-13 to and winning the Battle of Pennsylvania, uh, I guess, like hopefully as soundly as one might hope that a native Pennsylvanian defeats a uh, person who lives in New Jersey, among many other places, not in Pennsylvania. Zach, how are you? Doing great. Excited for this podcast. Marissa, what's popping? Not much. Um, the Browns play tomorrow night, so I had a Sunday at home watching football, so it was great. Um, lots of swooper implications we'll get to later in the show, obviously, but excited for the pod. Excited to hear what you guys have to say. I couldn't believe how long the starters got to sit towards the end of the game, so mm. really excited to hear everything you guys have to say about this one. Yes, we will talk about A.J. Brown's. Big performance. We will talk about Jalen Hurts against the Blitz. We'll talk about the defense getting six sacks and forcing two turnovers. We'll talk about the swooper implications. We will talk about a, a grouse that's been sitting with me since uh, Saturday morning and uh, I, it has been like ruining my weekend. We can get to that. Uh, but uh, Zach, I guess let's let's start with do you think this was I mean, we have to consider that this was not the highest level of competition, but the Eagles have played other teams who are not super high level competition, it seems like. Would you say this was the best Eagles performance of the season? If you remove the context of the competition, like you mentioned, 
then yes, in terms of the way they played, I was so impressed with this Eagles performance. Both sides of the ball, but in particular, Jalen Hurts, uh, so much of the conversation about Jalen Hurts going back to the summer, going back to after that Bucks game last year, was his development as a passer. And speaking to Lane Johnson after the game, he talked about training camp and the joint practices in particular when they passed the ball so much, knowing they needed to improve in that area this year. And what you saw from Jalen Hurts today was it was as impressive of a passing performance as he's had in an Eagles uniform. He ran the ball only two times. If it, so, if you simply looked at his performance, you take away the fact that he that he barely ran. It would stack up against the top passing quarterbacks in the NFL, and it wasn't like he had guys running open. He he put the, the ball placement, the decision making, top of the line there. So you you start you always start with the quarterback, uh, and then I I thought that they ran when they needed to run. The skill players were outstanding. AJ Brown, in particular, he you showed why you acquired him. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they pressured the quarterback. Right, they had six sacks. They had two takeaways, and they were outstanding on third downs. Uh, so you put all of this together. Yes, this was the most complete performance they had. I think I would probably still say the Vikings win was their most impressive game because it was a slightly higher level of competition. We sure. hadn't seen Jalen Hurts throw like that against a zone-heavy defense, and the defense was maybe a little bit more aggressive um, against Kirk Cousins. But that said, I mean, this was a fantastic performance for for all the reasons that you said. Um, you know, you said Jalen Hurts ran only twice in this game. His previous low this season, nine. Mm-hmm. So for him to uh, lead such a productive offense is another indication and another – a proof of concept that this offense can win in so many different ways. And uh, that is, I, I think, you know, we're going to be having the conversation about level of competition for a while, but I think it's really impressive that this team is able to win in so many different ways. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders only had nine carries in this game. He ran for like 78 yards. He had a pretty good day, um, but like they didn't have to run the ball. They didn't have to uh, pound, pound out those like eight minute drives to salt away a game uh, in this game. Jalen Hurts was very comfortable throwing the ball. And I think we saw uh, several layers of the self-scouting come to roost here. Uh, The Eagles breaking some tendencies, the things that they wanted to fix. One thing they wanted to fix, you know, they got blitzed at a heavy rate the last couple games. And they got blitzed at an even higher rate in this game by the Steelers. Steelers blitzed, I think, about 59% of Jalen Hurts' dropbacks. And against the Blitz in the past three games, their answer was to get the ball out quickly. And uh, they did not create many explosive plays out of that. Today, they were able to get the ball downfield. Jalen Hurts threw five passes of 20 yards or more downfield in this game. He had thrown only three combined in the three previous games. Two of the A.J. Brown touchdowns came against the Blitz. Uh, I think you saw that they had gamed that up and were ready for that. On defense, we talked about how the Eagles... Uh, defensive line had like stunts and games at a, a lower rate than almost any team in the league. We saw several little uh, li- little games up front that that sprung sacks. The first for Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargrave, one of his two sacks came came via that. You had talked in the uh, preview, Zach, about Dallas Goddard on third down. They hit him three times on third down today. I think this was like uh, an indication that 
for like the concerns that they might come off the bye a little rusty or a little um, bored of like chasing the wins. They were very buttoned up. They scored a touchdown on the opening drive. Uh, they were very sharp, and I think I think you give credit to the coaching staff for getting the players to to do that. You give credit to the players, obviously, but also like as Nick Sirianni said, to the whole infrastructure of the organization, they were able to implement these sort of self scouting things uh, that that helped really lead to a, what, what turned out to be a very easy win. Yes, I'm glad you touched on the buy because that that was the lead of my story, which is now up on the athletic. I feel obligated to to uh, cross promote there. Very. Nick Sirianni and his messaging to the team from the Wednesday meeting when the players returned was that they will that they must avoid a letdown after the bye that they are not going to tolerate a letdown after the bye. His language was a little more colorful than what I just used, but Sirianni cited specific examples. Uh, he cited the New Orleans Saints against the Atlanta Falcons in 2019. He cited the Las Vegas Raiders against the New York Giants last year. And by the way, this is from a video released by the Eagles. They have a documentary series on this season, and they have the behind the scenes of Nick Sirianni giving this speech. And this was from Wednesday's meeting. Uh, so you start there because this, this was a specific point of emphasis. And then, as you mentioned, too, well, what did they do during the bye? The coaches in particular, the self-scouting, it wasn't for naught. It wasn't just a talking point. I I know behind the scenes, they they were very, um, for lack of a better term, they they were intense about this. They 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 knew there were things that needed to improve. And Sirianni said after the game today that that they applied those in this game. That they were much better there in this game. So uh, he didn't want to cite specifically what it was. I know Bo just mentioned a few things there and I give them credit because what you want to be seeing is a team that gets better throughout the season. You don't want to kind of crescendo in October. You want to get better. And I, I still think that there are, there's a, there's more levels for them to hit. Hertz goes 19 of 28 for 285 yards, uh, a career high for touchdown passes. It was his highest EPA per dropback of the season. And I think it really does say something that it was his highest EPA per dropback of the season. And he didn't have to run at all. I mean, this is the, I don't know if it's like the evolution of Jalen Hurts, but I think it's like we were saying before, continuing to prove that, that he can lead an offense that can win yes. in different ways mm -hmm. and can win with him throwing the ball. I asked him about this after the game, and I asked specifically, what does this say about your development that you can have a game like this when you run the ball only two times? And he said he considers himself a triple threat quarterback, not a dual threat quarterback. Mm. Uh, and he and I want to pull up the quote because I, I thought it was he he didn't like shoot down this idea or, or say like this is something he's 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 always done. Um, his quote was. And I'm, I'm going to read it here. Quote, I think it's bigger than the overall development of one part of my game. I think it's about being able to be a threat in many different ways. That's something that a guy like me has the ability to do. Naturally being, uh, I'm sorry, naturally being able to run, we'll call it a dual threat, but I like to call it a triple threat. You have to be able to kill them with your legs at times. 
make the throws when you need to in the passing game, and kill them with your mind and with what you see and how you react because you get to a point where you get different looks and they try and they try and, and they try and get you, but you have to be ready for all those looks and have an answer for it. Uh, so I, I think that's what you saw today, that he showed parts of his game that have really developed since he came into the NFL. I think you're a triple threat reporter, Zach. <laughs> How so? You can write. You can okay. podcast and you can look like a stone cold Fox. I need to get better at all three of those. I suppose I, I haven't put much thought into the third, but I need to get better at the first two. So thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, you want to talk about AJ Brown? Absolutely. Man, Do you think that AJ Brown is the best receiver the Eagles have had ever? So I, I was talking to Elliot Shore Parks about something similar to this today, and it's hard for me to really give like good perspective on things that happened before I was born, right? So Harold Carmichael is a Hall of Famer. He, I mean, great numbers, different era, but I, I never really saw Harold Carmichael other than highlight films, right? In my time, okay, I'm 36 years old. I still think Terrell Owens is the best receiver I've seen. A.J. Brown is as close to T.O. as they've had, and he is awesome. I mean, you spoke to him after the game. I'm curious what he said, but, like, there were passes today where he had no business catching it, right? Or if they fell incomplete or even if they were intercepted, you would say, all right, that that's a, that's that's a ball in a tight spot, and when the ball throws up, is the when the ball's thrown up there, AJ makes a play, and then he's so quick accelerating in the open field. He said he was uh, so Mika Fitzpatrick caught him from behind in the fourth quarter when he had that catch and run for I think forty three yards, caught him at the eleven. He said he thinks that's the first time he's ever been caught from behind, um, and so Zach Pascoe was giving him a lot of uh, a lot of guff on the sideline for it, but then Pascoe was. Um, caught himself later in the game. Um, AJ Brown in this game, six catches, 156 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he has now, let me pull it up because I have it in the day after. Da, da, da. Which you can read tomorrow morning on The Athletic. Which you can read tomorrow morning. On the season, he's got six, 39 catches for 659 yards uh, and five touchdowns. Um, he's sixth in the league in receiving yards. Um, only Jalen Waddell has more yards per reception among the league's top 20 wide receivers. And only Tyreek Hill has more yards per route run. Right now, A.J. Brown is on pace for 1,600 receiving yards on the season. That would uh, obliterate the franchise record, which is Mike Quick's 1,409. Now he's got an extra game in there. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the receiving numbers are inflated in this era. So um, I think that you probably would tilt towards like T.O. as a season of dominance. And like Mike Quick's numbers on, on a season probably stand out more above the pack. And so do Harold's, especially because that was not a, a passing time. But um, Quick's. I mean, A.J. Brown's 94.1 receiving yards per game right now um, would be an Eagles record for a certain number of games played. T.O. was actually higher than that in 2005 when he only played seven games. But uh, otherwise, it's A.J. Brown. And so I think you probably take um, 
eras into account and you probably tilt to but like if you're talking about evolutionarily like who's the best receiver who's ever been on the team it might be aj brown he's been awesome um and he's been and it's and it's it's a it's a little bit like the eagles as a whole where he's been so good and yet he hasn't been perfect just like the team well to your point about whether he's 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 the best ever the the only thing I, I could say to that too, well not the only thing, but something I could say to that too, he's 25 years old, right? Like yeah. the Eagles have him now he's, and, and he's under contract. What you're seeing now, it's the first seven games of what could be a Hall of Fame career, and it's happening in in Philadelphia. Uh, it reminds me I of I was I was reading a piece or or, or listening to something on on Bryce Harper and. It was like you can talk about the contract and the price, but you get this, whatever it is, you get this Hall of Fame talent in the prime of his career in your uniform. There was no price the Eagles could have paid for A.J. Brown that, that like, when you see him play, you're like, that's ridiculous because you can talk all you want about compensation, but then when you see what he's doing, it's it changes so much with this offense. Like they got the player. It was such a good trade and he's just scratching the surface of what he's going to do with the Eagles. And we've talked about how it's a little bit lucky that they tried to sign all these other or trade for all these other receivers um, before getting AJ Brown, but that's fine. I mean, it worked out. Uh, so, so kudos to everybody involved. Um, and, the and, and, and the one thing I, I, I want to add to that too is this goes to a conversation that we've been having throughout the season about them spreading the ball around and getting the ball to other guys. When when someone is that good, you could argue A.J. Brown deserves more targets, right? This is A.J. Brown's second 100-yard receiving game of the season. I remember saying to you after the Lions game, I think he had a, what, 11 catches on 16 targets that game. And I, I said, when you're that good, you should throw the ball to him more. You shouldn't throw it to Devontae Smith more in that spot, right? Uh there is there's no amount of times that's too many targets for AJ Brown when he plays the way he's playing. I think that's right. I mean, the target disparity in this game is funny because I think it's exactly sort of what it should be. It was 11 for AJ Brown, six for Dallas Goddard, who had who caught all six for 64 yards, uh, eight for Devontae Smith, who had sort of an uh, a uh, unexplosive day, five catches for 23 yards, and then you've got two for Pascal, who went two for 57 and had a touchdown. And then one for Gainwell, one for Quez, one for Jack Stoll. Like, that sounds about right. Yeah, but Jack Stoll doesn't need the target. But yeah, that's well, all. Yeah. I, think, I think that might have that been uh, Gardner Minshew yeah. uh, late in the game. Yeah, um, the actual touchdown plays from A.J. Brown. The first one was funny because, you know, you watch the replay um, and we saw it real time in the press box. He's running and then he just sort of stops running. And Jalen Hurts throws the ball up. Um, and it wasn't even like he threw the ball up because it was open. He just sort of trusted A.J. Brown up against Mika Fitzpatrick. And so A.J. Brown puts the burners on. And Fitzpatrick doesn't really play like go up and get the ball. He's sort of he's sort of playing it like a center fielder. And A.J. Brown just goes up and gets it. And he said that, you know, he is not really in the progression on that play. He's just running the safety off to open things up for Devontae Smith. And Jalen Hurts put it up for him. Just saw that, put it up for him. And he made a play. Um, and when the ball was released. When the, when the ball was released, I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, you're right. throwing that, you're throwing that to, to Steelers in the end zone. And then he and, just goes up and gets it. And Hurts yeah. talked about it after the, afterwards, right? 
Hurts and and Sirianni did here. Let me pull that up here. Um, Hurts said that's that's one thing I try to tell all the receivers is although the ball is not supposed to go to you, be aware because I might see something on the field that might entice me to make the throw to them. Um, that's that's what he said. And then Sirianni uh, said here. Let me pull this up. Uh, sorry. Uh, we had a couple different things going there. We felt like Minka was a little low on the play, and Jalen took advantage of that. Whether he was the primary or not, Jalen did a good job of getting through his read and finding AJ for a touchdown. And then the second and third touchdowns were sort of identical plays. Um, it was just that beautiful drop in the bucket over his right shoulder down the right sideline that we saw a couple times this summer. And it was those were those were beautiful throws from Jalen Hurts and, you know, AJ Brown credit, you know, did, did uh, what he could do stems inside a little bit to create some room on the outside where he can get the, the back shoulder and um, the ball gets there before the safety can get there. But he said like both of those plays where, you know, he sees he's got single coverage at the line. He's thinking, okay, here we go. And Jalen gets the ball to him uh, credit to him. And then, you know, I, I do think that if you, if you score three touchdowns, you should be allowed to taunt. He gets that. He gets a penalty for going one, two, like even that guy. That's not enough. So I don't know. I think that's fair. I thought the the second touchdown was such a well-placed pass. And the celebration there, uh, our viewers here who are who are watching live in the chat can correct me if I'm wrong because uh, they showed it on the TV and I was only watching the small thing next to me. Uh, but he was actually signaling that the cornerback was too short on the play. And I believe uh, the— Were you offended? Well, it was it was Witherspoon, who's like six foot three, if, if, <laughs> if, right? So I mean, the threshold there, right? Um, but with my event, no, I mean, I thought low man wins. Not one, not in a jump ball situation, mm -hmm. right? If it's a run, low man wins because of leverage, but not in that, not in that spot. Uh, but overall, uh, yeah. Then the the third pass. Just well-placed and great catch by AJ. Minka, I don't know if he was a little late coming over to it, but he he was uh, he was kind of the, the safety help there. Then they changed after that play, after the, after the third touchdown, I believe. Witherspoon uh, either got relieved from the game or, or had an injury, but they put in Pierre and then they moved Sutton over. Uh, but AJ still had that big, what, 41-yarder in the third quarter? Mm. where the, the one where he got caught from behind or? yeah the, he got caught from behind like you yeah. said 43 for yeah. for the record and and uh you know elaine johnson as as colorful as uh he often is he said today that um when he was talking about kind of them keeping their foot on the pedal he just said throw that m effort a number 11 right like like that was the secret of the of the offense and it really worked yeah, sounds about right. Uh, you know, it's funny, Zach, we're barely even talking about the flow of this game because it did sort of get out of hand. Um, the Steelers went down and, and tied it up at 7-7 after that uh, Brandon Graham penalty. for um, he, he admitted in the locker room after the game that he was sort of trying to get them to jump on offense. And they, he's like, ah, oh, they got me. Like you know, He's like, ah, oh, what are you going to do? Which, that's fine. Um, but then from there, the Eagles, uh, they have the two Devont or, uh, A.J. Brown touchdowns, so it's 21-7. Steelers get a field goal late in the uh, second quarter. So it's 21-10 going into halftime. And then uh, the Eagles, for the first time, put together uh, two touchdown drives in the second half. 
and win 35-13. This game, did, at, at any point, did you think that this game uh, was not going to be a runaway? No. No. I, I, I thought from the way they played early, they were going to win this game. I was curious to see. that. That's a big chunk of an apple right there. I was curious to healthy. see. <laughs> I was curious to see how they would respond in the second half. And it, as it turned out, that was a big talking point. That was a talking point during the week. That was a talking point at halftime. And Sirianni said that a big thing was how they started the third quarter was something they were paying attention to. So they had, I, I believe, I don't have the play-by-play in front of me, but I believe it was a five-play, 75-yard drive to open the, the third quarter. That was the Zach Pascal touchdown. Obviously, a chunk play there certainly helps. But I believe the Pascal touchdown, I I did watch the game back when I got home tonight. Uh, our our viewers noticed we are home. We're not doing this at the team facility. You watched it, the whole it, game back? Well, the condensed version. Yeah, wow, you had that much time? Good for you. It's like 36 minutes. All right. The, con- the condensed version. You guys are doing uh, me a favor. And uh, it, it looked like they had set that up with the passes they were doing to Goddard throughout the game. Right, the Pascal one. Yes, the Pascal. Yes. I think yeah, it was yeah. like a fa- it was a fake screen to Goddard. Yeah, it, exactly, and everything just converged on to Goddard. So they did a good job of of getting them the bite, and it, it reminds me of the Devontae Smith touchdown against Dallas that we talked about, where uh, you know Smith was running that pick for for Goddard all game long. You don't want me to use the term squirted. You want me to use the term leaked. Okay, right? That he No, I want you to say squirted. Okay. So then he then so on this one play, well timed, then he leaked into the end zone. He's wide open. No one's around him. That's that's kind of like what happened here with Pascal. Obviously, not in the pick situation, but they set up this this tight end screen for Goddard, which they've been running throughout the year and they've been doing it effectively. The defense converges on the Goddard and Pascal's wide open. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and Sirianni was gushing about that uh, afterwards and saying that, you know, this is a guy who does all the dirty work. It's it's always it's always exciting when you can reward him uh, to some degree. And, you know, that's his guy. I yes. wonder if like if Zach Pascal is uh, did we talk about this? Like, I wonder if he's a little bit salty about the fact that Sirianni has just stolen like dog mentality from him. Well, he didn't steal it from him. Zach, the uh, Zach Pascal yeah. got it from somebody else. But yes. And you can read about that on The Athletic as well. Yes. Last year. Zach was doing a great job uh, repurposing stories in the second <laughs> half of this game. Yeah. I, look, I I, ha- I I do that without shame. A lot of hashtag Team Squirt in the chat. <laughs> I repurpose stories without shame uh, because I write these stories because I want people to read them, number one. And number two, <laughs> and, and, and number two, I think it's important that it's important to remember that when you write a story, not everyone gets to read it or, you know, it it could be a busy week for someone. They didn't come across it. So it could be the first time someone sees that story. So always happy to repurpose a story. That's true. And do so without We also probably overrate the degree to which uh, Twitter drives traffic to our stories, but. I definitely don't overrate it. I rate it very properly. No, I'm saying I think you do overrate it. I think it doesn't drive that much traffic. Exactly. Yes, I'm aware of that. Yes. So, so then why do you do it then? I'm confused. Are we talking past each other? 
<laughs> I don't expect it to drive significant traffic, but it's it's one way to repurpose the story at that time. Yes. Okay. But I I have the metrics. I know exactly how many people go to my story through Twitter. Mm, big flex. Same metrics you have, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> how much would you pay to keep your uh, your verification on Twitter, Zach? How much would I pay? Yeah, out of pocket. If it's not I reimbursed. I haven't put much thought into it. I don't know the answer. Mm. Yes. I would say zero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, probably zero. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Um, all right. Anything else on the offense? Because we have the defense to get to, and more importantly, the ramifications of a potentially significant injury uh, to Jordan Davis, which we'll get to. But anything else on the offense before we go to break? I think we we covered Jalen. We covered AJ. Uh, Dallas got her to third downs. You you did a good job there. Did you want to get any into any of the offensive line machinations uh, late in the game, or are we good there? No, I mean, I think um, this is part of, you know, um, in the day after, uh, I, I touch on the fact that, like, we go into the locker room today, and it's a, it's a different scene in there because in, in in service of getting the Eagles ready for the Thursday night game that's coming up, Instead of it being a normal locker room, they had exercise, but they had like three stations. They had exercise bikes, massage tables, and the uh, like the compression therapy uh, leg sleeves set up. And there was also there's also the hot tub, cold tub in the back. And everybody on the team had to like do one of those four things before they left today. Those are normally, and maybe Marissa can can talk about this. Those are normally Monday routines for them, and in service of like supercharging the body recovery um, they did that tonight. And I, and I bring that up because on offense, it was, it was nice for the Eagles that they were able to get Gardner Minshew and four of the five uh, starting offensive linemen out of the game early on. So you take a few hits off. They got some, some starting defensive linemen, um, some blows late as well. So um, that was good. And I mean, and they have been mostly healthy this year. We'll get to Jordan Davis, but Marissa, what, what, what do the Browns do when it's uh, when it's a quick turnaround? Uh, well, I was going to ask, I saw the photo of the bikes and I was like, mm. that is not normal. So I thought that was really interesting. And I probably like the guys probably now have off tomorrow. They probably have like a walkthrough or something. Basic, yeah, I think they have but, to be in tomorrow, but yeah, yeah. but it's but, like yeah. something very simple. And by doing that today and by giving some guys some rest today, I think that's huge, especially with the Thursday game, because everybody says how quick the turnaround is and physical on your body. I mean, they're coming off the bye, so that's nice, too. But I thought that was really cool. I saw the photo on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they're trying to keep them all like in as healthy as possible is is obviously great. So. Zach, would you go for the, the bike? I know you're a bike man, but let's say you just played a football game. Would you go for the bike? Would you go for the massage? Would you go for the hot tub, cold tub contrast? Or would you go for the compression therapy thing? Yeah, the Normatec boots. We the have Normatec. Them at, yes, we have them at home. You have yes. it at home? Yes. Yep. And, and does Michael just like sit in it? Yeah. What, what does he do? He does it. He probably does it like every day, every other day. Okay. Um. Yeah. He has this like ugly reclining chair that belongs outside, but he uses it in the living room. Um. And he does the Normatec boots there. Does um, he like he it? Loves it. Like he okay. raves about it. And they basically like compress your legs, and it's supposed to help with like circulation and blood flow, okay. and all of that. So. Yes. So that's it's hard for me to say because I've never played in an, in an NFL game. So I, I don't know yeah. what my body would, would demand in that situation. I probably would not do the bike because I just played a game for the past three hours. Yeah, I was right? surprised there were so, so many guys on the bike. 
so I I would Brandon probably... Graham said it said it was because he was going to get him out fastest. He's he's always mm-hmm. he's always talking about uh, not leaving his wife waiting. I respect so, that yeah. in the same way. Uh, so I would probably go with the massage in that case, or I I mean the hot tub, cold tub is hard for me to say. Uh, I I know that's something people like after after the game, but probably the massage. They had it, it was interesting with the massage. They had the table set up in the hallway um, to get in and out of the. Uh, they had both. Yeah, they they were there yeah. and in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah, but you know they were taking advantage of of the space. So I I had to go back and forth a few times because I went to Sirianni's press conference, I went to Jalen Hurts' press conference, and you just see the massage table set up. Along the way, so you're like playing slalom with the massage tables. It was uh, hmm. okay. What would you go with, Bo? Uh, good question. Probably the probably the massage or the hot tub, cold tub. Now, because some guys were saying they they're not doing the compression because like uh, it's MD. like thirty minutes. Well, they and because they have one they at, have home. It at home. Yeah. So yeah, Josh Sweat was saying he's going to go massage because he has the the Normatec boot at home. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's the reporting you you can count on. I like that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Reddick went for the hot tub, cold tub, because he thinks that's best uh, for his legs, and his game is all about having fresh legs. Well said. All right. Let's take a little break. Come back, talk Jordan Davis, the ramifications. Could it lead to a trade? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back on Burns with Friends, Bo, Zach, and Marissa. Time to talk about the defense, and more importantly, uh, the Jordan Davis situation. Uh, Jordan Davis goes down in the second quarter of this game, hobbles off, needs to be helped off, uh, leaves, does not return. We're told it's an ankle injury. Then Ian Rappaport reports after the game it is a high ankle sprain based on the initial report. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Most, I mean, that's the typical timetable. Uh, in the locker room after the game, we saw Jordan Davis make his way through with a walking boot on his right foot and uh, some of the biggest crutches you've ever seen. And uh, this is a significant injury for the Eagles because uh, for all the reasons we've talked about, it's not just the production that you're missing. It's he has been uh, the key to the scheme to some degree in allowing them to play that five-man front so often. Um, Marlon Tui-Pelotu is the backup nose tackle. He can do it. He had a sack today, not uh, as a nose tackle, but he can do it. It's not quite the same. Javon Hargrave can do it a little bit. He did it He did it last year. That's not maybe the best uh, use of uh, his time, but that's okay. So I think it's a question now. Do you feel like 
the Eagles need to make a move, Zach, to acquire a veteran nose tackle uh, to help them out? Or can they wait things out with Jordan Davis and get by over the next few weeks, call up Marvin Wilson from the practice squad, and see how things go? Well, first of all, Marissa, very good job with curcumin in that ad read. Okay, because I've stumbled over that a number of times. Wow, um, look at Zach going off topic on a football I question. No, I wanted to say that coming off of the ad, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, Thanks, Zach. To, yeah, to your point, Bo. I mean, it's rude either way. <laughs> Big loss. Big loss, literally and figuratively yes. here. Uh, for the reasons you you mentioned, there's 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 no there's no one else like him on the roster. There are players on the team who are you know better than than Davis at, at this point. But if you lost that player, there's someone with a comparable skill set, maybe not as as good a player, but a comparable skill set who could step in. In Davis's case, he's so unique, right? You go to the players who were literally on the team last year who they acquired Davis so they could fundamentally have a, a different style of defense. Um, now, four to six weeks does not end the season, right? You, you can probably get by for that period of, of time with a promotion or, you know, like you said, you either use Hargrave or you use Marlon T in that role or you play less of the five-man front. Uh those are the things Gannon would need to look at. It's it's a it's a relatively soft portion of their schedule, at least in these next three weeks. Um, but you do have well, you have the Colts coming up in three weeks, and that's a team that can really run the ball. So that's a week when Jordan Davis would have been especially important. Uh I don't know the nose tackle market well right now. I would need to see who you need to sniff available. it out. I, I need to sniff it. You see, you see, oh, because it's nose, nose tackle. tackle. Yeah. You're still good with wordplay, Bo. Um, so, nose tackles are, are typically players who, who you can get like a replacement level guy on the cheap, or I don't want to say on the street because it is October 30th right now, but I, I got <laughs> to imagine you can, if, if you wanted one, there's, you can get one for a late round pick. That said, I wouldn't go that route unless you're concerned that Jordan Davis won't be the same the rest of the year. I think for four to six weeks, I think that's you, right. You can probably get by, but if if your medical staff is saying, "Look, he can come back in you know six weeks, but he's a 350 pound man, or however many however many pounds he is right now." Uh, and this ankle injury is really going to affect him the rest of the year, that's when you say, all right, do we need to get a solution in here for the next three months and not the next six weeks? And I also think, you know, the stakes for this team are different. So it doesn't really behoove the Eagles to bring back Jordan Davis when he's ready to gut through a game, right? Yep. The important thing is making sure that when he comes back, he can be healthy and that he's good in the playoffs and in the stretch and down the stretch. Right. So if you make a move, maybe it's insert. I mean, it's, it's not totally dissimilar from bringing in Robert Quinn to allow everybody else to be, you know, healthy and fresh down the stretch. If you can bring somebody in who's going to help you get through the next six, seven, eight weeks, 
while keeping everybody else relatively healthy, I think that matters. You don't want to put too much on Javon Hargrave and certainly not like you don't want to put put all of it on Tui. I think probably what happens is they they don't play quite as much. Yeah. Uh, of that 5-1-5, but they're much worse when they play uh four downs. They just are. Um and so I, I think it's a really interesting uh quandary for them and one that they don't have a lot of time like they got they got two days to figure this out um so we'll see what they do i, I actually do think like i mean marvin wilson was good um you in the summer me. i don't know i i don't know that he nor michael dunn by the help way get that done that's right michael dunn was very impressed uh with marvin wilson after playing with him in cleveland said he got a lot better um but i don't know i think I think I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a you know a, a late conditional pick just to get a veteran body in there to to help them get through the next next few weeks. To me, that that's not the route I I would go. Like you said, it, it there's there's not this necessity over these next four to six weeks like to win every game here, right? No, but it's to help them yeah. all. It's to sure. help. It's to help keep everybody fresh through that stretch. Yeah, I I would try to get by with what you have unless you're concerned. This is that he won't be right the rest of the way. That, like, like that's 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 why you have depth, and I I know it's not a replaceable player because literally there are very few people on this planet who are walking around who have the athleticism and the size combination that Jordan Davis has. But if you're talking about <laughs> for the, for those audio listeners, Bo just just raised his hands. If you haven't heard about Bo's baseball exploits or basketball <laughs> exploits, um, you just haven't been listening long enough. Wait, wait till we get uh, to my tennis exploits. That's coming in the third, oh in the third act. Uh, so no, but I, 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 I do think we should talk about this defensive performance. I, I don't want. I agree with you that the absence of the expected absence of Jordan Davis here should not be, or or cannot be overstated given how unique he is. I just think it's one of those things you have to suck up and figure out a way to get through it. You have Houston, you have Washington, uh, two teams that I don't want to say you can beat without Jordan Davis, but that Jordan Davis shouldn't be the difference between a win and loss in those games. The Indianapolis game, that that would worry me because that's a team that's going to run the ball quite a bit. You want your five-man front there. After that, they have Green Bay. I have Green Bay on in the corner of my eye right here. It seems to be a Green Bay team that's following the three and five. Um, and the week after but doing that, it with such grace. The week after that is what? What's what's the first? Uh, who's the first week of December? Uh, is it Giants? Tennessee or is it next week. I, I, Tennessee, I, I, yeah, Giants. It, it, yeah, Packers. Then Tennessee. Then Giants. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Tennessee is a week when you definitely want a guy like Jordan Davis, right? Um, so it could it could hurt them there as well. There you go. All right, what about the uh, the defensive performance in this game, Zach? We talked about uh, them gaming some things up up front, uh, seemingly for the first time in a while. That was nice to see. Uh, your boy Hassan Reddick getting the uh, the sack party going. C.J. Gardner Johnson, uh, the first Eagle with a sack and an interception in the same game since. Who can you name? Embarrassed to say, I I, I don't have this. Another party. ZB favorite. I'll tell you that. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, close. Right, uh, Roddy McLeod, correct. Okay. Uh, I believe that was 2019. Um, I mean, the interception was basically T.J. Edwards's play. He made a great job dropping into zone and, and deflecting that ball, and then the uh, the sack came on a well uh, timed blitz when which he was free. But 
Um, yeah, I thought the defense did good. I, you know what? We've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks against this Eagles team over the past year and a half. Kenny Pickett wasn't that bad. I thought Kenny Pickett was fine. I, I, I think Kenny Pickett's going to stick. Well, that that Gianni's chicken vodka rap was yeah. fueling him on some of those runs. Uh, look, the the defense. Once he overall, gets away from Matt Canada, look yeah. out. The the touchdown play was a good play designed by Matt Canada. The, the first pass, good play Collie's had in his life. The pass by well, not of his life. He was a good coordinator at NC State. It's interesting you say that because I've heard some stories about him at NC State, and I would not say they reflect well on him. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. He had a very good reputation when he was at NC State. I've heard that his reputation was not so great. As an as an offensive mind? As an offensive human being. Oh, I, I, I can't. I don't know anything about the human being part of it, but okay. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, let me regroup here. Uh, what I was about to say uh, was this, this defense allowed only one touchdown. And by the way, if not for that Brandon Graham penalty, it would have been just four field goals, right? Uh, they would have kept right. them out of. They would have kept them out of the end zone. Uh, if if you are not familiar with Bo's tennis, oh, oh I'm sorry, Bo's baseball exploits, uh, then you probably are also not familiar with my obsession with third down defense. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I and so for I I will reiterate it here. I believe third down defense is critical. That's not a controversial or or going out on a, on a, on a leg. It does fly in the face of your of your support of Jonathan Gannon, who has typically not been a, a, not seemed to care very much about third down defense. But <laughs> well, the Eagles held the Steelers to one of twelve on third downs today. Uh, that is the worst by an opposing offense since Week 17 of the 2018 season. That that season finale against Washington and Pittsburgh. Game. No, oh, no, that's, that's, 18. that was, the, sorry, that's, that's, that's the fullest 20. game. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's average distance to go on third downs was 8.75 yards. Uh, third down defense was critical here. They were able to get them off the field and this, this defense just, I don't want to say quietly, but they're, they're, they're not going up against, quarterbacks that really scare you right and so i i think there's kind of this expectation that defense should should play like this there's there should never be an expectation that you get that you have six sacks and two takeaways and you keep the opposing team to one of 12 on third down that's exceptional play so a lot of credit to this defense now there is a bit of a flaw here as is, as people are pointing out in the chat one for 12 on third down is all well and good but they were also four for four on fourth down so really it's like five for 12 in terms of okay. stopping conversions professors is professor selman in the chat here? no but that's okay. true i mean that, okay right like yeah. wouldn't you agree that the third down is is as you say the money down because it gets yes. you off the field so yes. a third down stop is not really does not really matter if you're gonna let them stay on the field and pick up a first down on the next play so i i believe one of those those fourth downs was a fake punt yeah, Correct. that's true. One was the fake punt, and one was and, the Brandon and, and then what? Yeah, and so one there's was really the fourth. only two. So you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. One was fourth and goal at the one where where you want to stop them there, right? But that's look they 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 made a, a real nice play there. Um, look, I'm 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 not gonna. Yeah, yeah. You want to get off the field on all fourth downs. I get so let's it. call it. So there were twelve think. third down opportunities. 
and two of them led to fourth down conversions that were not sort of circumstantial. So let's yes. say they were three for 12. That's pretty good. Yes. Still. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so I, I think, well, this, Zach, this, you know, that you made the point, the, the, the average distance was like 8.75. And I know that, uh, you know, if you're a football guy, you know, if you want to win on third down, you got to win on first and second down. And that's professor Selman's point, by the mm. way, was, was that they didn't get into enough third downs. Right. Uh, bottom line, I think the way this defense is, is playing deserves a lot of credit. I get it that it could be a different story when they go up against, if they were to go up against a Josh Allen in the last game of the season, or if they have a playoff game against, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but I, I don't know what's going to happen mm. with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott, yeah, let's Mar say. Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Well, if they play, you know, on Christmas Eve against Dak Prescott, sure. that's going to be a tough game. Uh, that said, I like the way this defense is playing. I like the way Jonathan Gannon's calling it. Professor Selman, you can call me a, a Gannon apologist for doing so. I know. I think they're playing very well. You have Although, no, you don't have to apologize for, for gazzing up Johnny, Johnny Gans after this. Game. Uh, but I I'm, I'm impressed with this defense and we'll see if they keep it going on Thursday against Houston. I suspect they will. Oh, a little preview. All right. Anything else about this game that we need to talk about? Do you think we need a special teams discussion? Sure. Let's talk about it because I don't, I mean, I, it's really hard for me to get worked up about a fourth down, like a, a fake punt run on fourth and two and you give up four yards. Like if you're going to devote all of your resources to, to making sure that they don't run for two yards, then you're, you're borrowing against the return to some degree right now. Maybe they're not doing a good enough job. Like I'm, I'm much more bothered by uh, like the lack of, of return explosiveness, but that's personnel based to me. Like, I, does it really bother you that they gave up that? I mean, maybe they're, they're showing something that's, yeah, that that's is allowing teams to get those fake punt runs. This is the second one, but like, we're talking about a two yard pickup. Like, is so that a big the, deal? Is that yeah, so, so? Is that like somebody to be fired over that? I don't think so. So I'm I'm trying to kind of uh, I'm looking at 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 the bigger picture here. If there's a problem, or if there's such a symptom, or if this is a symptom of a problem, right? When it's happened twice in three weeks, it makes me wonder if there's a tell with something with either the way they're lining up or something with their special teams that's prompting teams to do this. The teams don't go for fake punts often enough that, that they'd be successful against you twice in three weeks in comparable plays in comparable situations, right? So it lends me to think that, that, that they're seeing something and that's what needs to be cleaned up more than within itself. A, a team converts a, a fake punt. It's something you're, you know, it by definition catches you off guard. Okay. That's, that's sometimes you just have to chalk that up credit to the opposing special teams. When it happens twice in three weeks, that's when you need to take a, take a step back and say, let's not give them credit here. Let's figure out what we're doing that's prompting them to, to go for this. Because it can't just be situational. It needs to be circumstantial. It needs to be circumstantial. Okay. And then do we also, I mean, do we not give special teams credit for uh, like a nice downing of the punt at the one-yard line with Zach McPherson and, and Aaron Sipos? Oh, no, you do. You do. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I'm a little bit tired of the, like, 
the Eagles have the worst special teams in the world. I think they're like 22nd in DVOA, which is not bad considering yeah. the, the the personnel decisions they've made. I mean, the only thing that you that that is really concerning, I think, is like the uh, kickoff returns they've allowed to like the 40 yard line. Right. Those are those are bad and those need to get better. And That's, the one today got called back because right, of a for penalty. penalty. Yep. That's the that that is the thing to me that would stick in my craw a little bit. And I mean, maybe that's personnel uh, derived a little bit, but that's something that you should be able to, to coach it better. That's the only thing that I'm really worried about. Yeah. yeah. To an extent being a special teams player or special teams coordinator, it's the way Lane Johnson was describing playing yeah. offensive line. It's like, no one's patting you on the back for a well-executed punt. Right. But, like the like McPherson <laughs> thing. I'm t- like, who's yes. talking about that? Like, yes. Uh, but, but, but when something goes bad, it's, it's like, man, the special teams are really going to cost them. I, I do find it almost like, you know, there are certain things that have come up this year where, where someone says, um, this is really going to cost them this year when they're undefeated (laughs) by, it literally has not cost them this year. It is happening and it hasn't cost them. Now you could say if, if it were to cost them. It would ha- it would come in a situation where the offense the defense isn't playing well so therefore this is a contributing factor to it but we have mm-hmm. seven games of evidence to suggest that the special teams is not losing games for them like they are winning games and they're winning them fairly convincingly other than the Arizona game um they're like teams aren't coming within a touchdown of them basically right so yeah. uh I give them it's it's I, I think that there tends to be, whether it's the media or fans, like if things seem too good to be true, let's figure out what's wrong with them. And I'm sure, it I'm, is, capable, I'm, sure I'm, I'm, I'm culpable of that to some it, degree too. Yeah, it's, it's constructive to say, are there problems in defeat? I'm sorry. Are there problems in victory that you're overlooking and they're going to, and they're going to be more blatant in defeat? That's constructive. I think it's unconstructive to say, to say, well, they're winning, but something needs to be bad. Let's let's find something that's 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 not working. They're winning because they're a good football team right now, and they're playing bad, and they're playing mediocre to bad football teams for the most part. Yeah. That's why they're winning games. Bottom line. Okay, well said. Anything else on this front? No, we're good. All right, let's take our last break. Come back, talk swooper, maybe a little fills. Little World Series, and then my uh, my grouse, which is really sticking to my craw. All right, back on birds with friends, Bo, Zach, and MD, who was looking to secure a second straight win in Swooper Storecasting, but she only had three turkeys in the air. One of them, Robert Quinn, has at least one sack. Did not happen. Robert Quinn played uh, 19 snaps in this game per True Media, six of them in the first half, um, mostly in the nickel. And I think he had, I think he was credited with two pressures um, on Pro Football Focus. We'll see if that's uh, accurate. Take that with a grain of salt. But he was out there. Good for him. No sacks. Jalen Hurts has more rushing yards than Najee Harris. Najee Harris only had... 32 rushing yards. I think uh, if you had known that ahead of time, of course you would have felt pretty good. Of course it's the game that they don't run at all, you know? So yeah. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Only 10 rushing like, run yards. Run the ball, Jalen. Run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Take those hits, dude. <laughs> but you did hit on the most fun. I did. Both two-minute warnings occur at exactly two minutes where, you, where, you're, where you're sitting there rooting for that second one. So, yeah. So my cousin and her fiance are in town. So we were at brunch for the first part. 
and I'm like, we got to pay attention to this. And he's like, what? And I'm like, where the two minute warning is, you know, we're at brunch. So it was, we couldn't hear the sound. And he's like, I think, it, I think it was two minutes. And I'm like checking on my phone instantly. We rush home and then we're watching it. And th- at the end of the game, I like turned away for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that was a very fun one to root for. And I'm very glad that it hit, but we'll see how the rest goes. We'll so see how the rest goes. Continue. Good job by you. You got one for three. I'm glad I didn't trade that one to you. Zach, I'm a bow rather. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I would have liked to have gotten it Yeah. in retrospect. Uh, I had the Phillies score more runs in games one and two combined than the losing team scores points on Sunday. Uh, that did not happen. Steelers scored 13 points. That's more than the Phillies had. I had the Steelers win the turnover battle. Didn't happen. I had there is a lost fumble during a play from scrimmage. Nailed it. Javon Hargrave gets the ball loose from Kenny Pickett. Avante Maddox picks it up. One for your boy. Then I had the Eagles score more second half points than first half points. They scored 14 in the second half, but 21 in the first. So only one for me. Zach, Jalen Hurts passes. Now, Zach spent uh, the most turkeys of any of us, spent 26, but still has the most left after his uh, performance two weeks ago, in which he was very miserly with his turkeys. Jalen Hurts passes for 62 or more yards. Then Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett had 191 passing yards. Jalen Hurts, 285. A turkey in the bucket for Zach. That's I one. I was We're worried about up. that one at the end. I mean, I wasn't worried, but I was hoping there was some garbage time yardage there for Kenny. But Zach got it. Hmm. Good one, Zach. Thank you. Zach had the broadcast. Shows a photo or artist's rendering of Donovan McNabb and Kenny Pickett together. Did this happen? I don't, I don't believe so. I don't believe no so. I didn't, I didn't see any reactions yeah. uh, on no. Twitter yeah. about it. So you fail there. Did Nick Sirianni wear any Philly stuff in the post-game press conference? No, he wore it before the game. He did wear it before the game, and so I thought that might mean he would wear it back. But Yes. Yeah, he had a big crew waiting for him after the game, so I don't know if he if he changed before mm. the the press conference. He had his uh, his son and his daughter, his youngest son and his youngest daughter sitting on his lap in this game. I believe his youngest son and youngest daughter, but they were both sitting on his lap. I don't know what that has to do with the Phillies entire. I was but... painting. I was painting the picture of the post game press conference okay. for you. That was your artist rendering. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Eagles force a three and out on twenty five percent or more of the Steelers drives. Did this happen, Zach? I have to look that up. I'm not sure. What? We don't know. I don't know. Well, hold I on. Was, I was anxiously awaiting that one because uh-huh. I didn't know how to figure that out because you guys have uh-huh. access. Okay, to... hold on. Uh, possessions, Steelers. First one, a three and out, one for one. Second one, not. Third one, yes. Fourth one, yes. So that's three for four. Then uh, a, then a not, so three for five. Then a two-play draft at the end of the half that doesn't count. Then four more that were not. So three for nine. Yeah. You got it. Congratulations. Wait, why does that one not count? I don't think end of half ones count. But even if it does, it's three for ten. Okay. It's just still, yeah. Just making yeah. sure here. Yeah. Okay. All right, Zach. And the All other right, one, Zach. well, it didn't, it didn't really matter because Zach also had, there are one or zero lead changes in the game, yeah. which he did hit. Yeah. So Zach, Big welcome winner. to 2022. Congratulations. You are on the board. You join Marissa at one point trailing my five. This skins game is really annoying, but uh, I appreciate it. I How do you feel, it. Zach? How do I feel? Uh, I'm happy about the story that I wrote. I think this podcast is going well. 
uh, and a big week ahead of us. And that is more my concern than Super Sorecasting. Come on. We, you know, you say that, but like you're the, you're the only one who shows up with a pre-done uh, budget for, for a swooper. And you carry over a lot of turkeys next week and you got the W, so big week. Yep. Yeah. You you self-scouted in the buy and you got the W and move on with a lot of turkeys. So we should be worried. Mm. Yeah, Sirianni and me are, are, are similar in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. We we applied what we learned. How are you feeling about the Phil, Zach? What'd you do this weekend? How'd you watch the games? I watched the games uh the first few I, I watched the games at home. Uh, my wife and me, and in, I mean, game one was epic, uh, was for awesome. lack of a better term. Like that, I, I think Matt Gelb wrote it well. That's a game that we are going to be hearing about for years to come, and very similar. Actually, we talked about this with with Gelb, the game one of the Sixers Lakers in two thousand one, right? Where they have this this furious comeback late, and you know there's there's uh, in 2001 you had to step over in, in in game one. Here you have you have JT and the emotion JT showed. Um, really impressed there last night. Yeah, it, it was last night. My days are, are blending together. That was the Astros looking like the Astros from the from the start of the game and. I know that there's a lot of intrigue about um, Fromber and if there's any impropriety going on. The bottom line is is he's been he's been an effective pitcher now and, and an innings eater, um, you know, throughout the season. So uh, it's hard to imagine something happened on the grandest stage of baseball. But bottom line is is he pitched well. The Phillies didn't get what they needed from their ace, but they did get what they needed going. And going to Houston, and they come back now, uh, split, and a chance. I mean, your best case scenario is you don't return to Houston, but certainly you have a chance to take control of the series on your home field. And this is where the two-three-two helps you out, right? If 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 you're the the visiting or the team that only has three home games, but you get one of those first ones, then you're thankful it's two-three-two and not two-two-one-one-one. There you go. What about you, Bo? Uh, enjoyed you yourself. Yeah. Enjoyed watching the game on Friday night um, <laughs> with some friends. Uh, went to uh, we, we tr- trying to bop around, trying to find a place where we could sit and watch and have some good uh, have a good you know as as you know Zach, this was my weekend with uh, no family, so I was like, how am I going to spend this time? So where'd you go Friday? Uh, we ended up at Bridget Foy's. Had a good time watching the game. Uh, shout out to Joe and Mike and Colt. Fantastic time. Good atmosphere. Loved it. Uh, and then yesterday I was, uh, a little bit down for the count following the double vaccine shot on Friday flu and uh, COVID booster. So watch the whole game in bed. Good stuff. Okay. And what's your prediction for these next two games here? What's my prediction or these next three games? Pain. Pain? Okay. No, but seriously. Uh, you got seriously? Noah Syndergaard versus Lance McCullers tomorrow night. On yeah, Halloween. I think the Phillies are going to win tomorrow night. Really? With Noah? Okay. With Noah, with McCullers, uh, I, I mean, I think the crowd's going to be raucous. Yes. Uh, I think that matters. Um, What's the forecast tomorrow night? I, I, I know there's 
Emily told Dingers. me there's, there's some rain. There's some rain coming. Is it rain that's going to affect the game, or is it just? I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. Rain. There's some oh. rain coming through Ohio, so I bet there's some rain coming mm. through there. Paul, it's the, the lack of salesmanship on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it it looks like very light rain. Doesn't look like it's going to affect much tomorrow night. Tuesday so, looks more rainy. Tuesday morning. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday morning. Um, but no, the Phillies. I the Phillies accomplished what they needed to accomplish in in Houston and brilliant managing. I don't know. I feel like that's sort of loser talk. We could have won that game last night. Like I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you you have your best pitcher on the mound uh, for game two with the chance to go up two zero, I get that. I'm just saying when you boarded the plane to Houston. If someone told you you're going to fly back 1-1, one, one, yeah. you would take that. I'm so. going to say the Phillies win Thursday, or win Monday. They win Tuesday. And then Nola has another disappointing performance in Ooh. Game 5. They lose and Ooh. go back to Houston. And then Wheeler, after looking like he's not all the way himself in Game 2, gets his gas back. Hits, he's hitting 98, and he has a great performance in Game 6, and they close it out in 6. How about that? There you go. I don't know. Are you are you enjoying the broadcast? I think the broadcast is fine. I don't know. It's yeah. it's uh, Smoltz can do a little too much talking sometimes. I think. Yeah. What do you think? I'll, you feel like yeah. you have something to say about it? No, I don't. I is it Joe Davis, the play by play guy? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm enjoying Joe Davis. I think he's doing a good job. Yeah, he's not bad. Yeah, I was on radio the other day, and I was between. Uh, Charlie Manuel and Alex Rodriguez. And, um, and, uh, I say to, it was with, it was with Anthony Gargano. And I said to Anthony, I said, between the three of us, uh, we have, uh, uh, 700 home. I, I think I, I said we have 700 career home runs. Right. And, uh, it was, it was cool going on before Alex Rodriguez, who, um, you got a big smile on your face when you were looking at your phone. And I said, what's going on? And you said, well, you know, I used to love a rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Growing up, I mean, when he was the the Mariners A Rod, like the forty forty A Rod, um, he was he was awesome. Uh, and but on the broadcast, correct me if I'm wrong here, he always seems to bring up Kevin Long, the Phillies hitting coach. Uh, and I I know Kevin Long was the hitting coach with the Yankees, but yeah. it's it's like. It's like when Bo and Shield were talking about anything with the offensive line, they had to mention how how brilliant Jeff Stoutland is. Um, a little it's different. Like, <laughs> it's like everything that happens with the Phillies hitting, it, it goes back to Kevin Long. It sounds like. Hmm. I noticed that too. I think they're they have a very good relationship, the two of them. So, just giving them some love. Like Bo and Shield and Stoutland, yes. <laughs> Wow, is that a shot fired <laughs> an hour and nine minutes in? No, it's, a, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. It doesn't sound like a compliment. All right. I need to take you through my saga here. Okay. For my grouse. Okay. Because this has been this has been weighing on me. All right. You, you know, I'm, I've been doing this tennis league, right? Uh, mm -hmm. where you like people sign up, uh, you know, and you're basically strangers. You find a time, you, you reach out to each other, you find a time to play. It's been fun. Um, almost universally, everybody I've played has been like a super nice person. Um, like very easy to do. It's been, it's been, it's been really good. 
and I had an I had an interaction that did not go so well. Okay. You? <laughs> you don't say. And I'm going to take you through the whole saga. You tell me. You tell me. <laughs> How much time do we have? If I have the right read here or not. Okay. okay. You tell me if I'm the bad guy. Uh, and I'm not going to say the guy's name because I don't, I'm not going to out him. But here we go. So I email him. Say, hey, so-and-so, uh, Bo from Philly Tennis here, wondering if you're free at all Monday or Tuesday during the day for a match. Can make Now he has a, everybody has like a preferred court next to their name. I say, I can make it to your court or anywhere else in the city. He says, that would be great. I prefer to play during the day. Can you make a reservation at so-and-so? Uh, Monday between nine and one works great. Just let me know what you prefer. Uh, now, this was last week during the buy, so Monday was good. I said, great, Monday during the day works well. I don't have a membership there uh, to reserve court time to you. And he says, I do not. I could reserve a different place, though. That was uh, that was Saturday. So then on Sunday, I said, I can definitely play at that place on Monday. And then uh, on Monday, I went by the court, and I said, uh, it's it's uh, it had rained, court's too wet, but I signed up for tomorrow, Tuesday morning, at 10 a.m. in case that works. He says, unfortunately, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. How about Wednesday? I say, ah, too bad. Bummer. Can't do Wednesday. Friday afternoon is open. This is on Tuesday. He says, okay, let's aim for Friday. That's Tuesday. Then, uh, then he reaches out to me via text on Thursday evening. I hadn't heard from him. There was no, nothing was scheduled for Friday. Meanwhile, somebody else had reached out to me, someone who had already played before, had a great time with. If I wanted to play Friday afternoon, I hadn't heard from this guy. So I, I said, yeah, let's play Friday afternoon. Then this guy, because he hadn't responded to me. Then this guy texts me, says, hey, are we still at, at eight o'clock Thursday night? He says, hey, are we still good for tomorrow? What time works? I said, I actually uh, set up another match for tomorrow, but I did put my name in at a different court at five o'clock. I'm happy to double dip. Like, just so you know, I'm playing someone else earlier. I could play again later. Uh, and he says, uh, five is too late for me. How about Saturday morning instead? I say, yeah, no problem. Let's play Saturday morning. Uh, he says, what's the earliest you can play Saturday? I said, what time did you have in mind? He says, you know, yada, yada, yada. How about 930? I say, perfect. Now I'm playing Friday afternoon and my strings break on my racket and I've only got one racket. So I text him at 343 PM on Friday afternoon. I say, hey, sorry about this, but I have to cancel for tomorrow. My strings broke this afternoon. Now, the pattern is this this guy doesn't respond, right? This is, he, it takes him a long time to respond generally. I assume he's, he, he's reading. He texts me at 8.10 Saturday morning. Just seeing this now, will you play if I loan you a racket? I haven't played it all this week because I thought I was playing you yesterday and then didn't schedule someone else today because of you. A little pointed. <laughs> He's offering yeah. you a racket. Seems reasonable. Okay. And I said, I can do that. I can play around 1130. Yeah. I, I okay. responded an hour later. I was sleeping. Again, this was my weekend <laughs> with no kids. So at 930, he goes, okay, let's do it, exclamation point. And then he says, I have to edit the score submission. I submitted a cancellation. Now, a cancellation... In the rules, means that it's a it's it's called a late cancellation. It means that I get a strike on my record 
for having for having canceled too late. If you get three strikes, you're kicked out of the league. It means he gets an automatic win, and I get an automatic loss. And the rules on the cancellation are canceled within four hours of the scheduled time. I texted him <laughs> at 3.45 the afternoon prior for a 9.30 match, and he submits a 9.30, he submits a four-hour cancellation. And then he goes, can you play at 1.30? And I'm, I'm like, wait a second. I respond, dude, I sent you a text yesterday afternoon and you submit a cancellation, quote unquote, within four hours? And he says, I just saw this morning. It was very frustrating because I turned others down for a game yesterday. And then I got inquiries for this morning that I turned down too. I texted you offering another racket and didn't get a chance to respond for an hour. So I was frustrated. I'm sure I can edit it. Are we on for 1.30 or not? <laughs> so what did you say? Are we on for 1.30 or not? I said, sorry, can't do it. I'm not playing with this guy after that. He says, can't play, uh, can't play at 1.30. Can't play there or can't play at 1.30. I said, uh, no, not going to do it. Like, uh, would appreciate you rescinding the match cancellation. He goes, can you play tomorrow morning then? I say, no, I work on Sundays. He says, Monday morning? I said, no. Tuesday afternoon is probably my only chance this week. Yesterday, I texted him after. So this was all Saturday. He didn't respond to that. Yesterday, I said, are you sticking with the cancellation? He says, no, we can play Tuesday. That's fine. What time? I said, still waiting on my schedule. As Zach knows, the media schedule has not been sent this week. But I think around two or two, two thirty or three might work. I wake up this morning. He texts me in the morning. The more I thought about it, I don't think Tuesday makes sense. Listen to this. I would be too annoyed if you canceled. Good luck with everything. I said, please rescind the late cancellation. Then, it's not my fault you didn't check your text messages all of Friday afternoon slash night. No response since. Wow. How long, is, how long has this story been going on? I need to talk this out. I mean, have you looked this person up on social media? That's what I want to know. Well, Marissa, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> yes, I have. And I will not get into the very specific details. Can I will tell you the name off air just so I, can I sure will. Uh, and Marissa, I could send you to his personal website, um, which features uh, he's a performer of sorts to some degree. And there's a video that which features some very casual misogyny, which I thought was uh, telling. I think this is the exact type of person that I expect him to be. But there is one saving grace here, okay? Because not only did I look up who he is, I also looked up his tennis history. Now, two things. One, I need to mention, by taking this dishonorable late cancellation victory, he has bumped himself up to like the two seed in uh, the playoffs and bumped me down, which I do not deserve to be bumped down for. But I looked up his tennis history. Okay. For our audio listeners, Bo is pulling up a separate computer that he has <laughs> the facts on. And listen to this. Because I wanted to know if he had won any other like cheap victories like this. He had not. This was his first uh, submitted late cancellation. But his very first match in the league 
October 7th, 2021, a loss, 6-1, 6-2, to our Bobby. Oh, Rich Bobby. Rich Bobby. A year ago. I thought you were saying our wolf. A year ago, Rich Bobby knew this was going to happen, and he defended my honor against this ultimate grouse. Rich, I love you. Thank you for having my back. So did you reach out to Rich? No, this is me. This is me telling Rich. Oh, I thought you would have texted Rich instantly and been like, who is this guy? I wanted him to get the story. I wanted him to get the whole thing, and then we can talk about it after. I'm not sure he lasted this long. Um, <laughs> but oh, he's not Roman. <laughs> Question for you, Bo. Have you ever submitted a late cancellation to anybody No, else? and I would never do that. Even if somebody canceled an hour before, if they had to cancel, I'm sure they had a reason. I'm not taking a cheap victory like that. Yeah. The, and the I late... certainly wouldn't do it if the person texted me the afternoon <laughs> earlier, the afternoon before, and I'm the one who didn't check my text messages. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. The late cancellation is the annoying part in this year, right? More than anything else. It's like that 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 seems petty. There's there's at, at this age, um, very people have families. <laughs> I think people play, you know, telephone tag or or it's hard to make plans, it's hard to arrange something. But the late cancellation seems seems petty. That's the part of the story that would bother me the most. Yeah, and the just him generally being a dillweed. Like, what is going on with this guy? I'm I, telling you, I, I, everybody else I have dealt with in this league has been great. It has been, like, seamless, like, nice nice people. I can't believe this guy. So you're going to go to the And I feel like I'm getting, and I feel like I'm getting, he's trying to, like, gaslight me like he's the victim. It's unbelievable. He's the one who wasn't responding the whole lead up. He was the one who was not responding. And I'm the guy? Are you kidding me? We spent about two minutes tonight on the pass rush and about 15 minutes on the uh I'm telling you, I needed to, I, it's, this is, I had need to get this off my chest. I woke up this morning and it was pissing me off. And then he texted again. It's probably the same guy who accused Nick Sirianni of being a, you know. Of, it's uh, Templar. Ripping on him. I didn't have anything like that in my weekend. So I'm glad you told that story. So are you going to, next time you play, like, well, so are here's you going to casually drop this guy's name around the circles it's a good of question. the group and be like, you know, have you played with X? I just, the fact that, like, now I'm, it's on my record. Like, like I'm the kind of, like, I'm the kind of person who's going to, who's, who would cancel late. I'm not that kind of guy. Don't put that on my record. I don't want the other people in the league thinking I'm a late canceler. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he should rescind the late cancellation. He should rescind. Yeah, but this is a man with no honor, uh, no honesty. <laughs> Probably lives a very sad life. <laughs> oh man! I hope he's not a listener. I know. I, was I hope he too. is. <laughs> wow. If if you are a listener, please. If if you're the 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 culprit. Uh, how about this? I, I know you and Sheil used to do hashtag. Hashtag Bo Tennis Partner. Right? Or hashtag hashtag Bo Tennis. Hashtag Bo Tennis. But this is a story yeah. of what's going on in my life. In my life, 
this guy is like, what is, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being tormented by, by a liar. <laughs> well, did he lie or he just, did, he put in the, yeah, well, he lied. He put the late cancellation in within four hours. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. Uh, this is like a plot of Seinfeld as nice as the Eagles fan says. What happens if we meet in the playoffs? It's going to be too contested. It's going to be oh, it's too it. contentious. I think yeah. you have to invite listeners if you meet in the playoffs. Like it has get to myself be... a cheering section. Yeah, that's kind of a good Posters. idea. Posters. That's kind of a good idea, actually. Yeah, I think you need to get your racket fixed first. Or I did. I did that on Saturday. That's how I spent my day off. My day. My day with no family. My day alone. Went and got a <laughs> new getting... racket. I'm excited oh, about so it. So how does that work? You have to get a new racket or can you fix the strings on your, I, I don't well, know. I did both that. actually. I got my strings fixed. Well, they're okay. not fixed yet, but they're in the process of getting them fixed. And I got it because my racket was like 15 years old. Yeah. I got, and I, I, I pulled the trigger. I bought myself a new racket. Pretty excited. Good. Nice. nice. I know very little about tennis. Because I want to get back out there because I'm thinking I got to play this guy on Tuesday. <laughs> but I, you know what? The more I think about it, let's not play because you might cancel and that would really, that would really pee me oh. <laughs> like how accusatory how how passive aggressive is that to a stranger <laughs> you're gonna be so fired up when you play this guy yeah it's gonna look like wimbledon out there you're gonna be slamming the ball <laughs> i hope it's, you play him on tuesday he says cancel culture run amok as somebody says yeah <laughs> The Eagles are gonna have a big game, and and, and Bo's not gonna show up to the game because he's playing. He's playing a tennis match against the culprit number. Yeah, whoever the name is. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm sorry like that I, occurred. I feel like I got I got the exact correct read on this guy. That's all I need to. That's all I need. We'll need updates throughout the week. Yeah, and I will cool. need his um, name off air yeah. to stock. So okay. it's. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening to our tennis podcast with an Eagles segment attached to it. Uh, it's very nice. Well, I mean, I didn't lead with it. I did I, leave it for the last segment. True. Yeah. True. All right. Um, we well, have it's a, a short few requests for a post game um, pod after the match. <laughs> so a post match. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They, I don't know what the bracket's going to be set up like. I mean, I, I, I actually do hope that I don't have to play this guy because it would. I don't think it would go well for anybody. But Guy Couch says, that, "Sorry, did this interrupt the baseball talk, Zach?" <laughs> Guy, our entire I also city like if I, I mean, wrapped up I, in the Phillies yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go on, Bob. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, no. What were you saying? Probably not something remember. productive. Okay, probably not. All right. Uh, yeah. Also, like if we do have a match scheduled and he's one minute late, that's it. He's late. I I get the win. Yeah. That's that's what I'm putting in. You can't submit a cancellation. That's what I should have done, though. I, it occurred to me afterwards. I yeah. he texted the thing about let's can't play Tuesday. I should have waited until Tuesday, and then submitted a late cancellation. And said, "Oh, sorry, I didn't check my text for two days. <laughs> you really screwed me over." And boy, was I really frustrated. I could have played with someone else on Tuesday. No, but you can't. You can't submit a cancellation. You have to be the bigger person. And eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. That's right. Or you get two eyes in a row, like uh, who, who somebody's got two eyes in their name. I don't know. Okay. All right. 
Well, Zach, what's coming up this week? It's a short week. What do we got? Thank you for asking. Uh, we have Nick Sirianni tomorrow. The players will be in, but we will not be speaking to them tomorrow. We will be speaking to them on Tuesday. We'll get the coordinators. We'll get the players on Tuesday. That will be our loan access to those guys this week. Wednesday, uh, we should hear again from Sirianni, hopefully, and we will fly out to Houston. Uh, I think you Wednesday morning, me Wednesday evening. The Phillies play um, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh and the big story, the the big news tomorrow will be Jordan Davis. I I think Bo foreshadowed what the news will be that you know he 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 might miss a few weeks here. The big storyline this week is going to be Jalen Hurts returning to his hometown of Houston. He returned there when he was in high. Uh, I'm sorry, when he was in college, he played a game in Houston, but he has never played in Reliance Stadium, a place that he grew up going to. His godfather was a member of the Houston Texans. Uh, staff and he he spent a lot of time at the Texans facility. So that will be a big story this week, but a bigger story will be the Eagles trying to move on to 8-0, which I believe will be their best mark in I, I need to look up the last time they went it, but they lost in the eighth game in 2004, correct? That Steelers game, they started 7-0 and and they lost to the Steelers, I believe. Uh, I will I will look that up, but uh, a big, quick week for the Eagles, and then the Phillies take over. So a lot to discuss, and we will be back. We're figuring out when we will be back, but my guess is Tuesday afternoon, Bo's tennis schedule dependent. Well, apparently I'm open now. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. So uh, the Eagles go to 7-0, 35-13 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got the Houston Texans on deck. We'll talk to you uh, at some point this week once before we get to uh, Thursday night game. So, for Zach and Marissa and Elijah and Templar, I'm Bo. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. And for Rich Bobby, my protector, my knight in shining armor. We thank you for listening. And as always, we love you.